Welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast 2023. If you like what you hear today, make sure to follow us at Boom or Bust NRL on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast for 2023. On this podcast, we're discussing the strategic points we believe are most important for the coming season with Teamless Tuesday a few days away. So tonight we'll be talking team construction, team value, the strength of schedules, we're going to talk buys, injuries, and how we're going about constructing our teams prior to Teamless Tuesday. I'm your host, Stuart Lord, and tonight I'm joined by Nick Lord, who is our stats expert and resident fantasy nugget. Hey, Nick. G'day, mate. What to do, baby? How's it going? Good. Yourself? Yeah, good, mate. We, um, we've just run out of power, so <laughs> if I cut out, you'll know why. That's it, mate. You better get on your bike and, you know, start start pedaling for, for that power, huh? Mate, I've got to uh, keep, keep the family afloat here, so yeah, I better get on my bike. <laughs> That's it. Well, look, thanks for joining me tonight, Nick. So basically, for the people at home, this is... One of those podcasts which you can send to your friends. Like, hopefully, it's useful for you guys listening at home too, but you can also send to the people that you know who are new at fantasy just to give them a bit of understanding around how to build a team, what to look for, how to go about it, and uh, giving them that level of advice, which means they won't make all the mistakes and you won't spend half a year trying to explain to them, no, don't do that, you're an idiot type of business. So, Nick. Uh, we're going to talk team construction. The That's one of the hardest things to do, isn't it? Mate, it's really difficult. And, um, you know, for, for seasoned players like yourself, you know, you really do need to spend a lot of time working out sort of what the meta is um, from year to year. So, um, you know, I'm sort of thinking maybe the forwards are a bit more value this year heading into 2023 compared to, you know, Volandi's ball where the where the Tommy Turbos and and Nathan Cleary's were king by a long way, right? For sure. And I know that our friend Mitch is and uh, co-host Mitch too, same guy, <laughs> is he's basically says you can't fix a bad team construction. You will spend your entire year making up for the fact if you stuff it up in round one. The rest of your year, you'll just be playing catch up ball, right? 100%, mate. Yeah. So, look, let's have a quick talk about team construction because this is where it all comes down to. And then we'll talk basically everything we're talking down to tonight comes into how do we build the best round one team. So, let's talk about team construction. So, look, real simple for the people at home who, you know, it's your first year, maybe second year, but uh, you're not quite sure how the thing goes. Basically, the game works by having players score points each week uh, through their work actually happening on the field. So, you know, if a player runs for 100 metres in real life, they run for 100 metres in fantasy, which translate to a certain number of points. In this case, 10 points for a 100 metres run. So, it directly correlates to the game that you're watching on the field. So... How you want to score well at fantasies, we want to find players who are heavily involved in the game, either in what we call base stats. So that's things like running the ball or tackles. Often front row players, you'll see a lot of this, you know, doing hit-ups, making tackles. 
And we also want to find guys who do these and also what include what's called attacking stats. So attacking stats are things like when you break tackles, when you score tries, uh, outside backs pick up a lot of these type of points as well. You know, when they run towards the line, you know, they jump over and they score a try, maybe break a tackle on the way. That could be 15 points right there, single play. And you can also, these players through their actions field, they can lose players too. So if if your player misses a tackle, concedes the penalty or gets sin-binned or sent off, they can lose a certain number of points as well. So so with that that first in mind, that's how players score in fantasy. And now looking at that, with our team construction, we need to choose, we need to fill our squads out. So we're going to need one hooker, we're going to need three middles, two edge forwards, two halves, two centers, and three wing slash fullbacks. And then we'll also need eight bench players to round out our squad for round one. So you're going to end up with 21 players. Now, when it comes to team construction, what's the first thing that we do? Well, for me, it's, and for a number of players that I've spoken to, the quality players that go, you choose a captain. Why? Because you're going to spend a lot of money in this place. And so you need to make sure, the rest of the squad will need to fit around your captaincy choice because captain gets double points, kind of like the double word bonus in Scrabble. So we want to maximize that bonus by getting the best captain we can each week scoring for us. So we go to the top players in fantasy, like the guys who've been consistently good for a number of years, and three guys stand out to us. So we've got Nathan Cleary, Nico Hines, and also a number of people have been looking at Cam Murray. Nick, would you agree with that? Yeah, mate. Yeah, so we have we have these three players. They're all great guns. They're all playing good teams, and they're all very busy players on the field. They run, you know, they tackle, you know. They are Cleary and Hines both kick goals and kick on the field, and K. Murray just makes a hell of a lot of tackles and runs. So the first thing you do is you choose one of these three, and you add it to your team, even though it costs you 9 to 10% of your total starting cost, and move on. Because remember, these guys, each week, if they score 50 points, the game doubles it, so they actually score 100. So you want to find the best guys so that a doubling effect goes to work for you. If you get a guy who scores 60 points, instead of the 50 you could have got with someone else, it doubles it to 120. So it could be a 20-point difference there. So... Basically, the whole goal is you choose your captain and you move on. So how do we choose the rest of our squad, the other 20 players? So looking through, we need to have a quick look uh, at the different players in the spots and need to understand that different players have different types of involvement and fantasy relevancy. So a quick example for the guys at home. Uh, so is Kieran Foran. So he looks great on the field. Uh, but it just doesn't translate well to fantasy eh? because he doesn't really kick the ball a lot. He doesn't score a lot of tries or tackle busts. And he doesn't make that many tackles in defense. So we don't want him because he actually averages in, I want to say, the high 20s. Nick, sound about right there? 20? Yep. 20, yep. And, yes, he, like that. and he has done for a, num- for a long time. So rather, what we're interested in is guy, which is his new partner, Tanner Boyd, over at the Titans. Uh, and the reason why we want Tanner Boyd and players like him is because, you know, for halves, he's the guy who's going to be doing a lot of kicking. 
So you get points for the number of meters kicked with the ball. Uh, he'll run from time to time with pace, you know, maybe get like a couple of line break assists or bust a couple of tackles just with his speed. He'll kick some goals after they score some tries. And in general, he'll he'll so pick up all of Kieran Foran's base stats and then add all of these ones on top. So he's building up that base load that we're more interested in. So the, what I'm really trying to say is we want to choose some players who are involved in the game, touching the ball a lot, making lots of tackles, kicking the ball if they're in the halves, things like that. So we then need to fill out our squad with players in their positions. So... In other words, you know, you've got to buy one hooker. You have to buy three middles. You have to buy uh, two edge forwards, etc., etc. You have to. You can't put an edge forward as a hooker, for instance. So you, you fill that out, and then we get to the reserves bench. Now, the reserves bench. I know Eddie said this on the podcast the other day. is actually one of the most powerful places uh, in the game. Now. Be, why is this? Because you can actually have anyone on your bench in any position. Now, but in general, what that really want to do is those eight players, we want to mix the positions on the bench who are able to both score really well and also cover your starting squad for when someone has a buy, which we'll talk about later about the buy schedule, but also when a player gets an HIA, has to take a week off or has an illness or gets suspended. So what it means is you want to try and cover all six positions. You know, you want to uh, all six positions on the field in your reserve bench. So, you know, you want someone who can cover, can play hooker. So if your hooker's out for the week, they can cover. You want someone who can cover uh, the middles and your wing fullbacks. So the last reason why we want that coverage is because if you don't have, like if a player of yours is suspended for a week at centre and you don't have another player able to come in at centre, uh, basically your bench, uh, you won't, that player won't score that week. You won't get any points at all for that position. So looking at the reserve bench here, these guys still matter. They still gain value no matter what you do. So, so don't. I know a lot of people want to put, you know, eight really bad players on the reserve bench, make the starting 13 really good. But the first four, which are known as your interchange, they score each week and can be from any position. So don't go cheap with these guys. And the last four guys on the reserve bench known as your emergencies, while they don't add two total points each week as someone doesn't play, but they can still gain value, which we'll go back to talk about team value, and they can still contribute to your team if someone's out. So guys, just a reminder, treat your bench, uh, your reserve bench with respect. Don't just fill them full of nobodies who are never going to get a run on with their squads. So the last part about team composition is we choose. So we choose those 21 players to begin with. But the idea is, is that the team that we start with at the beginning of the season isn't necessarily the team we want to finish the season with. So what we really want to do is take our starting team, which is uh, where we're able to spend 10 million and improve it over the course of the season, increase that value. So we take our understanding of how players score you know, through their activities on the field and work out how to increase the value of our team. So by late in the season, you know, we do have a bunch of superstars in our lineup and on our bench. Okay, so look, let's, unfortunately, people at home, you've got to listen to me a little bit more, but I'll be quick with this one. It's about team value. Now, this is the one that really gets a lot of new players where I guess the scoring thing makes sense, but then they see other players improving the teams and they don't understand why. 
And it's because the players who have played fantasy for a little while, they know that so much of this game is about increasing your team value. So you start with 10 million, that's what the game gives you, and you want to increase it because you can buy better players as the season goes on. So the $10 million cap means you can't start with all of the NRL fantasy guns as we added up before the session. And Nick, was it around $15 million we worked out it would cost us? Yep. Yeah, around $15 million to get all the fantasy guns. So what we need to do is we need our teams to be what's called generating value for us to increase the value of our teams so that we can start trading in those really good players. So what generates value? That is, in general, is the player scoring more points than what they're initially priced at. So why we normally be interested is if a player is in a similar team, in a similar position, uh, with a similar set of form, we should expect similar outcomes and they should average around what they're priced at. A guy like Adam Fanua Blake, he's going to play the same minutes in the same sort of role in a team that we expect to do around the same as they did last year. So should average around the same. So he won't gain value. This means the fantasy scoring yeah, will be consistent year and year with fluctuation for form and injury. Now, the value does work across a five-week rolling average as well. So they average how a player has been going, you know, scoring those points over five weeks. Now, it does mean is that, look, if a player scores big one week, they can have a poor score the next week and still be okay, or they can have another great week and their value will be increasing. What we want to do is we want to identify players who are in a new team or a new position or a change role, even just playing at their current club, but in a team which is improving significantly. Think about like, you know, players at the West Tigers or the Bulldogs coming up this year, for instance. So a prime example of a guy that we want is a guy like Eli Katawa. For the people listening at home, have a look at him in your teams. Because if he gets an edge spot, he's currently priced at 448000 which translate to an average of 31 fantasy points per game that he scored last year while playing for the Warriors. Now, this average comes from his starting games of around 45. So when he started on the field as the starting edge back row, he actually scored around 45 points a game. But then he had a bunch of games from the bench where he scored 20 or less because he only got 20 or 30 minutes a game. But what has he got? We talked about this before. Like he's in a new team. So he's moved to the Melbourne Storm, which is a better team, and he's likely to start on the edge. So in the new position, start, which is starting second row off the bench, you look at this improvement, we can interpret Katoa to likely score at least as well as he was when starting for the Warriors last year, which means around a mid-40s average. Mid-40s means, he's, and he's priced at 31 fantasy points. That $448,000 means his average is 31. Look at mid-40s, Nick. That's what, 14, 15 points worth of value there we can expect from Katoa? Yeah, that's what I've got on pencil here, mate. That's awesome. So what that means is that his price should rise to somewhere around from 448 to somewhere around 640 to $680,000 over the course of anywhere from five to 10 weeks. Quickly, if he has a couple of great games, which is where that rolling average comes in, like he has a couple of great games, his average will rise quicker. And slower if he has a few weak games. We're really looking at players like this where you've earned $200,000 by owning this player from the first round and he performs towards what you kind of those expectations are. So in the normal Boom or Bust podcast, a lot of what we spend around doing is finding players with this sort of value in them. The other thing that you hear about Often, Nick, I know we often talk about 10 points of value 
would you say it would be the minimum what we're really looking for players to, to make a lot of cash for us to be worth having them in our side? Is that right, Nick? Yeah, it means you get about 150k out of them. I think as a minimum, you're on about 100k, so it's about seven to eight, seven points of value or so. But yeah, you really do want that 10 plus points, I think. Yes, because that makes up for other mistakes we make along the way. Yeah. So if we knew that if we knew every time we get seven to eight points, it would be okay. But sometimes you make a mistake, they get injured. They're out for a few weeks. You have to sell them. You haven't made your money. 10 points worth of value allows us to cover when life happens or we just make mistakes in our early season choice. The idea is we want a whole bunch of players in new positions, in new roles, in better teams, etc., etc. Looking at guys like Brandon Smith at the Roosters, where he's playing hooker instead of coming off the bench, or guys like Jermaine Hopgood, where he's at a new club at Parramatta and he's a great player, but he's finally getting his run in first grade. Or guys like Lockie Miller, where he's moved to the Knights and he's been given the fullback role instead of backup role like he was at the Sharkies last year. This list goes on. So remember, you're looking for guys in a better position, a better club, a bigger role, or being more involved is what we're looking for. Now, over the course of the season, what we can do is as these players rise in price, let's say Eli Katoa does get to around 640, 650, we get a few games out of him where he starts to do that. And then we look, oh, it's time to move on. We figure out a player's ready for sale, and then we find a replacement who we want to trade this player in for, right? Think about it as, in this case, they're the used car situation. You want to drive out with a brand new car. So who do we want to trade to? So it's either someone cheaper who has money to be made and is now getting their own chance. We want to find another guy who's got that value in them, that 10 points of value, or you trade up to what's known as a gun player. So that's someone whose performances on the field also translate to great fantasy scores. So your James Tedesco's, your Latrell Mitchell's, your Nathan Cleary's. We just need to know when is a good time to both sell and buy. So that needs us to keep a bit of eye on the value week to week, on the on-form performances of players in our squad, and the availability of players we want to buy. So availability, we want to look at things like, is the player playing, buying about to play rep footy? So guys like Tedesco, Clear and Grant are sure to be playing Origin. So going to be missing regular season games and maybe be rested afterwards. And also about how tough is the schedule coming up for the players that we're about to buy and sell. We need to, obviously, if teams have a really tough run, you know, if they're up playing the Roosters, the Panthers and the Stormers the next three games, that's a really tough schedule. We might not necessarily want to buy them as quickly as we do another player who's got a really soft run of teams up against them. So this is what's called the strength of schedule, which Nick is about to talk us through. So Nick, mate, I'll catch my breath over here. How about you talk to us about strength of schedule? Mate, the theory behind strength of schedule is to get a gauge on the difficulty of games throughout different parts of the season. So easy games should lend to higher scoring affairs with higher tackling points, and harder games are likely to have lower attacking stats and more base uh, like tackling stats. So our strength of schedule takes into account three main factors. How we rate the team, and this is purely speculative from our point of view, uh, whether the game is a home or away game for a team, uh, with the theory that home games are easier and away games are harder, and how much the teams are affected by origin for each round on either side of the Wednesday night origins. So for completeness, we ranked... Uh, rated the teams like the Panthers, Sharks, Storm, Roosters, Cowboys, and Rabbitohs towards the top of our rankings. And we put teams like the Dolphins, Titans, Warriors, and Dragons toward the bottom of our rankings. So, practically, how do these numbers shake out? So, overall, teams with by far the easiest overall schedules are the Cowboys and Raiders. So, we're thinking targeting guys like Reese Robson and Joe Tarpanay as solid boom players. 
Teams with by far the hardest overall schedules are the Eels, Broncos, and Rabbitohs. So uh, we're avoiding players like Mitch Moses, Dylan Brown at this stage from the Eels, but uh, we like Haas from the Broncos and Murray from the Rabbitohs. And that's because we feel like paying those middle players, like Payne Haas and Cam Murray, they're going to be, they might not get the attacking stats, but their value isn't really based around that, isn't it? It's all about involvement, baby. That's it. And so they'll be involved in, even if the team isn't doing so well or they've got tough games, they'll still be making a ton of runs and tackles, right? Many of the uh, stats in NRL rely on you having the ball. Tackling is one of them when you don't. So if you don't, if your team doesn't have the ball, you can't really score points except for tackling runs, do you? Is that correct? Definitely. What we like is these guys who still remain really involved at the tackling, guys like Murray and Haas, who who just have huge motors. They can still keep on tackling and play big minutes, even if their team is under the pump. Totally agree, mate. What we've done with our strength of schedule is, in the previous pods we've mentioned this, I've sort of split it into three periods. The rounds 1 to 12 before Origin comes into play, rounds 13 to 20, which is the Origin period, and the run home, which is rounds 21 to 27. So... Um, I'll just give you the hardest and easiest from each period. So the easiest, rounds 1 to 12, is the Storm. They are by far the easiest period before Origin. In our opinion, this makes the back five quite tasty off the back of Hughes and Munster. And also, so we're looking at guys like Trent Loero, uh, Eli Katoa, which Stu mentioned earlier, that they could actually benefit by getting some attacking stats if they get those edge bots on top of those base stats. Other players, you could look at uh, Harry Grant, especially in Cam Munster, could also go supernova in this early period too. It's been spoken a lot. The Warriors guys have the absolutely grossest rounds 1 to 12. So this is making it very difficult to pick spine players like Chancellor or Klockstad, even Tamari Martin and Sean Johnson. It's just a bloodbath for them rounds 1 to 12. It doesn't appear to be uh, value forward with them, uh, with the exception of Jackson Ford at this stage. So really, Warriors players just aren't looking good um, as round one prospects, right, Stu? That's it. Well, I'm just pulling up Tamari Martin. Like, he, he's the one player that I've got in my team, and I'll talk about team composition later. But yeah, having a look at that run. So Knights, but then Roosters, Cowboys, Bulldogs, Sharks, Knights, and then Cowboys, Storm, Roosters, Panthers, and then the Bulldogs again, who might be clicking by that stage. So, yeah, up to that buy in round 12, that's a pretty gross run, mate. Yeah. Well, I mean, other newcomers like Mitch Barnett or Maratini Okore, they could be interesting or potentially even Dylan Walker, depending upon his role. But the guys who are already there, as you mentioned before, they're virtually the same team as last year. So, we're not expecting any serious changes. So, for the origin period, guys, the Eels have the softest run from rounds 13 to round 20. So Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown could be very popular origin pickups with a friendly availability for the Chaos Rounds, Rounds 13, 16, and 19. Hey, Nick, can, so can I the, stop you there? For the listeners at home who don't know, what's a Chaos Round? Mate, it's when typically, as you mentioned earlier, you've got 17 scoring players. And these Chaos Rounds, which we've coined, only 13 players can play. The problem there, though, is that they aren't many teams available playing in those weeks. Is it eight teams playing out of 17, Stu, or something like that? That's right. There are teams, a large number of buyers being played that week. So at least, yeah, there's only four or five games, I think four games in those weeks as those are typical like origin weeks. It means is that, yeah, you might be working really hard to field 13 players in those weeks. It is really tricky, and I'll get to it later why it's so tricky those particular rounds. But just sticking on the origin period, the Storm, 
Actually, whilst they had the easiest rounds 1 to 12, they had the hardest origin period, rounds 13 to 20. So without their origin guns, it could be really tough sledding from an attacking point of view. But the young crop of forwards could reap a heap of base stats over this period. So I'm not sure which guys will stand out at this stage, but just keep this in the back of your mind when you're looking at which guys you pick round one. So for the run home, I've mentioned them before. The Warriors have by far, not only do they have the hardest rounds of 1 to 12, actually the easiest run home. So really those spine guys, which we didn't like round one, you could be looking at, you know, your Sean Johnsons or Chancellor Clockstads or your Wade Egan's coming into your team from the run home rounds 21 to 27. And in terms of the hardest, the Broncos and the Storm have really hard run home. So you can look at tough forwards like Payne Haas and Pat Carrigan for the Broncos and Storm forwards that may appear later in season. And also Cam Munster is always good at the back end of the year. So he's probably a good bet at that stage of the year. So you can sort of plan for that one. And, and guys, we'll provide updated strength of schedules at intervals throughout the season to account for changes in teams' performances and fortunes as they emerge. So if there's a big injury to the Seagulls, I'm going to plummet them right down the standings. I have them sort of, I think, middle of the pack. But if Tommy gets injured again, they're going straight down to the bottom right, Stu. For sure. And sometimes those teams which come out of nowhere, like the Cowboys and the Broncos, who you thought would do okay, but I know they were both in the top four at one stage in the middle of last season, we we would certainly need to make adjustments for that as well. Yeah, big, big adjustments. Yeah, we Cowboys really flipped the script on us last year, so we've got to be prepared for that again this year. That, that who's the, who's the Cowboys of this year? I've no idea. But not I the Dolphins we'll after out. that last trial, mate. <laughs> All right, not the Dragons either. No. Um. Okay. Well, okay. Fortunately, the Dragons do get to beat one team this year, and that's the Bye. So, Nick, talk us through buys, mate. Hey, the introduction of the Dolphins mean that there's at least one team that has a buy every single week. So, this has really changed the fantasy game for us this year. So, for overall, you need to carefully think about where the buys are for your guns in rounds 1 to 12. For example, Cleary has a buy in round 3 and Hines has a round 6 buy. So, if you take, let's just say, the, the two hypothetical most expensive and best players in the league, you're essentially without 9% of your cap in those weeks. Whereas if you took a Damian Cook or Cam Murray, both very respectable captaincy choices, and they're around that price range as well, they're fully available rounds 1 to 12. So this could represent an additional 8% in value depending on how the fantasy performances shake out. So that's just based on them playing the game and not having that buy round. So teams we like for different periods. So this is a category of no early buy rounds. We have uh, we like the Broncos, the Cowboys, the Rabbitohs and the Eels. So they're guys who don't have buy rounds until much later, right into the middle of the season. So the ori- origin period darlings, uh, we've got the Warriors and the Dolphins. So they only have one buy round. They're rounds 13 to 20. And the other darling is the Eels because they're available, as we mentioned earlier, for all of those chaos rounds, rounds 13, 16, 19. No one else is fully available for those. Now, the run home heroes, the Titans stew, the final buyers round 16, so they are available right to the end of the year after that buy round 16. The other darlings, uh, the run home heroes, I should say, are the Tigers and the Sharks. So their final buyers round 17. So if you pick up, those guys, after those chaos rounds, you can ride them all the way home and pick up plenty of points and plenty of value as well. 
So in totality, I believe you should attempt to project your team of availability going forward with an aim of having you know around 90% or so of your salary cap available for selection each week. So this invariably means that you don't let up on too many players for one team and have 20% of your salary cap out of one round. So for example, we've mentioned loading up on popular South Guns, South's guns like Damien Cook, Cam Murray, Latrell Mitchell. But this could mean, you know, 26% or around a quarter of your cap will be missing in round, is it 26 or 27 they're out? 26 parameters got round 27, mate. Okay. So, you know, just just think about not loading up on too many of the same guns from the same teams, even though they might do really well in between because it could come to bite you at the end of the season. Mm. Um I think it's going to be very interesting overall to sort of see how this sort of shakes out um, with the buy rounds each year. I think there's going to be a lot of movement in the overall standings compared to the last couple of years, right, Stu? Yep. And look, to be fair, like we have things, we have trades, you know, where we talked about before that you each week first for the first, I believe it's six rounds, you can trade two players in and out per week. And so trade two out, one or two out, you get your money and then you can trade replacement players in. But you don't necessarily want to be trading for buyers, guys, because they're only out for one week. So really what you do want to spread your money around different teams. You're not all loaded up on a team so that when their buys happen, you have a whole bunch of guys sitting on the bench. Look, I can exactly. understand that, hey, you can take a week for Nathan Cleary at some point, but there is a question there around, like, you know, do you want to take him plus two others, you know, Mitch Kenny and Luke Garner, for instance. We That means is that you've actually got three players missing and, yeah, around 20% of your cap stuck. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and when you're talking about moving a guy off for a buy, if you want to bring them back in, you're burning two trades, aren't you? So, you know, really you just – burning trades and I know we've got a few more this year but you've just got to be really strategic in how you use them. I think yep. just setting up your round one team could really avoid some unnecessary aches and pains, right? Yep. So I think the rule is, guys, if your team that you're buying a player from has buy them rounds one to 12, don't have more than two and don't have two really expensive fellas from those squads unless you want to be trading them out. Whereas if they've got buys later on in the season – so like the Rabbitohs, they don't have any early buys. You can load up on three or four. It doesn't really matter for you. You just have to look again at that strength of schedule because the Rabbitohs do have a really tough strength of schedule for the first part of the year. So like for example, for example, Mum picked up Nathan Cleary and I think Isaiah Yo, but she'll be without eighteen percent of a cap around three or four whenever they're buyers. So you know. It sounds good. You think, oh, I got these guys, but then, you know, you're sort of shooting yourself in the foot uh, just for that week, you know. So, it's just something to think about. For sure. And obviously, this is most important for the overall players. For head-to-head, you can have the occasional bad week still making the finals. So, it is a little bit, if you're head-to-head only, you can always take that week, take the hit, as long as you're sure that you're picking up plenty of other games along the way. But overall, yeah, you can't afford too many guys out in that same week. And if you're head-to-head as well, just look at your finals matchups and look at the teams in those weeks that have those buys, you know. The round 26 um, Rabbitohs for those head-to-head guys, it can really muck you up in your finals if you're not prepared, right? That's, that's right, yeah. You don't want Cam Murray and Damian Cook in your team if you do make it all the way through. And you've got to prepare as if you're not going you're gonna to make it through because otherwise if you're planning to lose earlier, then it's not a particularly good season, right? <laughs> it's tough though because like those guys might get you to the final, right? So 
I, I do get it. It's a, it's yeah. a difficult balance. And, and you'll, it, you'll have four trades at that point, so it may just mean having enough trades to trade them out at that stage. Just prepared. So I think the last one, guys, is I know they're giving us some more trades this year, but the biggest thing that you see for new players is that they make mistakes early because they don't quite understand value. And by about halfway through the season, when they do understand value, they then burn a whole bunch of trades to fix that starting side. You can't burn them all up because injuries happen, suspensions happen, and now with all these buyers scattered throughout the year, you just can't be rolling in with too few players. So make sure that each one of your trades, you basically think about it. You're setting fire to like 150 grand every time that you do it if it's not a good trade. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like if you're not making 100 grand off every trade, you, you could be in, you're in trouble this year or like by the end of it. So just be thinking yeah, about that, guys. That's fair. That's fair. Just be thinking about that. Now, the last one, guys at home, is injuries. So Nick and I talked through this one because injury risk is a very real thing. So what do we do about injuries on this podcast, Nick? Well, we have our expert physio, Mitch, on every week to give us an expert run of our preseason injuries at this stage that may impact availability, time to recovery, fantasy output on return to the footy field and implications for other fantasy players in the meantime. So, for example, Mitch has the heebie-jeebies about Ryan Pappenhausen's injury from last year where he shattered his kneecap. Whilst the rumours he could have possibly been back round one, which Mitch tempered despite him going to America, um, and then he was provisionally meant to return round six to eight this year, to which Pappenhausen then has publicly stated that that's an extremely difficult road to recovery. And that was wishful thinking that he'd be back around six to eight. So essentially, you know, managing these risks, these injury risks is so important. Um, and the fantasy relevancy of an injury like this is that Pappen's in, Pappenhausen's injury could pay way for a guy like Nick Meaney to be fantasy relevant this year, taking over, taking over the full-time fullback role and kicking duties for the long term um, until we hear otherwise. So. Um, on a week-to-week basis, we're lucky to have Mitch because he gives us the rundown each week for injuries to all fantasy-relevant players from that round and what the ramifications are. And guys, if you have any specific questions for injuries, feel free to DM us and we'll try and just address it on the pod. Uh, we won't be able to get back to you really quickly. Uh, Mitch is a busy guy but um, and he doesn't like responding to people too no. much, but he's, ha- he's happy to answer it on the pod. Um, it's probably the best way to do it, so... Um. Yeah, Ma- managing uh, injury histories as well is is very important. So, for example, guys like Luke Keary and Sean Johnson um, also give Mitch the heebie-jeebies because they've got ma- multiple lower limb injuries that are likely to be recurrent. Um, other things you got to consider, guys, things like concussion injuries. We spoke with Trent um, Bowden assistant physio with the eels on an earlier pod and he sort of thinks it's more going towards an even more conservative route than it is at the moment. Uh, um, yes, they're considering that before round one is possibly having a minimum one game stand down for failed HIS. Um, from what the physios are saying, you can't predict HIS happening. But what you can look at is potential histories of HIS. So when you think about a Luke Keery who has had a few other historical guys that have been along the way, like your boy corners or Jake Friends, you know, those guys are virtually medically retired due to it and it's becoming a more and more prevalent issue that is actually being addressed. So we'll, we have Mitch to help us and our listeners 
with managing these types of risks and, and to get the best out of our fantasy team. So basically, the long and the short of it is, is that we, we want to understand is if someone's coming back from injury, will they be 100%? And if not, how long will it be till they are? And also, who are the guys, essentially what Nick's trying to say there is, who are the guys we should stay away from because their medical body of work is so large that they've got this overarching chance that if something goes wrong with them, it could mean that they're out for longer than a normal NRL player would be because they've got this pre-existing injury list which may exacerbate whatever problem they've got. Totally. Excellent. Unfortunately, we lost Nick at this point due to a power outage at his house. It has been a bit of crazy weather in Sydney lately, so he had to drop off. But we have covered everything that we were looking to talk about, which is around what makes a good player, what makes good value, what we're looking for as far as strength of schedule and buys and injuries go. So please pass this on to any family or friends who are looking to understand fantasy a bit better this preseason. Make sure to listen to our preseason podcast as well as we talk about those players which do or don't have value and why. And we discuss all the players who are fantasy relevant in all the different NRL teams in depth with uh, ourselves on the team, as well as a number of guest hosts with some expertise. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. This is the Boom and Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast pre-season preview wrap-up signing out. Thanks for listening to the Boom or Bust podcast. Make sure to subscribe and check out our Facebook page for more info.